Hello, 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 and welcome to Almost 30 Podcast. Hi, everybody. It's Lindsay and Krista. Welcome to the show. We just said we're like, we're so stiff. Very stiff. (laughs) We're crunchy and stiff. (laughs) We're in Miami recording, so we're doing some interviews. Uh I live in Los Angeles. Lindsay lives on the East Coast, so we have to meet some places to record. We're here in Miami, and the room is not the vibe. The seating is not the vibe, but we're going to try and bring the vibe (laughs) with this intro. This is the thing where you just have to like be super, and I'm sure a lot of you out there are entrepreneurs too. It's like, sometimes you're just like, man, oh man, uh-huh. gotta it, just make it work and move. It's just a reminder for me. I'm like, I don't know. It's just, I think as, as anybody, we just want it to be perfect. We're like, I want it to be professional. Yeah, of course. You want it to be the best professional. I want a whole crew in here. Same. <laughs> when you're, you know. An entire TV studio. I know. I want a makeup artist being like (laughs) touching me up, all of the things. But hey, we're homegrown. We've grown this from the ground up. We started it in 2016, I think. Yes. Started on our closet floors and we are independent. We've always stayed independent and we have courses, programs, a membership community. We do a lot, but really, we just want to support our community in their evolution. Yeah. And the topic today is one that. We have uh, brought to the podcast quite a few times and anytime we do, there is buzz because this topic of birth control, of women's health, of hormones is a hot one. And it's one that I think so many of us are experiencing or have experienced, have been affected by. I mean, I was put on birth control when I was uh, 18. 17, 18, was on it for 10 years. You were on it for more than 10 years. I was on it when I was 14. 14, yeah. I mean, mean, birth control was prescribed for so many other things other than- Not for me. (laughs) Sadly sadly not for me. Thanks for being nice. But yeah, you know. And I remember I was on it. My sister was older and she Mm -hmm. was so jealous. Oh, wow. It was such a weird thing. Mm. She was so jealous, but it was like something that was cool. It's kind of like a female totally. rite of passage where yes. remember you'd be out and you'd, so many of my friends would have on their phones, the alarms. Totally. Take birth control. And it's in their purse and they're like, yes. I'm yeah. Like, they're oh. like, and then, and then they'd be like, I missed four days. I'll take four at once. I know. <laughs> like, people that was would just me. <laughs> do whatever. Like, and oh, yes, and this, th- so this conversation with Ricky Lake and Abby Epstein is centered around their new documentary, The Business of Birth Control. And, you know, the point in you saying like, oh yeah, let's just take four and mm-hmm. catch up speaks to the lack of education and information around birth control. Their mission is not to eradicate mm-hmm. hormonal birth control, but really to have transparency and education around it because there is so much that is not talked about. There is so much in the research that is not shared. For example, when a doctor says, hey, just go on birth control, it'll help your symptoms Mm -hmm. for your period, which can be true, but we're not also speaking to the other side effects and speaking to the really like complex nature of everyone's individual Mm -hmm. health. So just wanted to say that as a caveat because this is not about hormonal birth control being bad. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We've done probably five to 10 episodes on hormone health, on fertility, 
on women's reproductive rights and on topics related to this. So I would highly suggest digging into those. You can search Hormone Health Almost 30 and learn more about the female reproductive system and the body and all that. But yeah, this episode is really for those that are curious about learning more about birth control as an industry and birth control and its effects on women. Our intention here is not to make anyone feel bad that's been on birth control. I was on birth control for over 10 years. I'm really grateful for it, for you know providing me what it did in my life. But I do wish that I had more education around what it was doing from a health perspective. And I do believe that there is an opportunity for us to educate ourselves and empower ourselves on making the best decision for us and our body. And it doesn't need to be one size fits all. I spoke to Ricky and Abby in New York and we were kind of just like shooting the shit before we began. And we were talking about and you'll hear this in the recording, but we were talking about like the experience, not of taking birth control when we were on it, but really like our life in the period that we were taking it. So I didn't make the connection during that time, but I went on birth control. Shortly after I went to college. Mm -hmm. So thinking about how big of a transition that is, how much pressure you're just in a new place with new people. You're trying to fit in in a whole new way. And then on top of that, I have physical changes to my body. Mm -hmm. I have hormonal changes, mood, sex drive, all of these things. And and even like who you're attracted to Mm -hmm. changes when you're on birth control, which is so fascinating. They've done studies with people who are on birth control are attracted to one person. And then when they've gone off of birth control, their attraction to that person completely changes based on pheromones and other hormones. So I was just reflecting on that time and I'm like, wow, I love you. I'm so like, I'm just like, I, if I had made the connection back then, I just would have been a much more, I don't know, aware human being. I was like, it was just happening to me and I had no idea. (laughs) I know. I remember when I got off birth control when I was 26 I was definitely, my spiritual awakening was definitely 26. That's when I stopped drinking. That's when I got off birth control. And I remember walking. I remember exactly where I was. I was walking in Chicago where I was living. And I was walking down Jackson to Protein Bar, getting my lunch. And I was like, I felt the veil lift of my personality, Mm. of feeling like, oh my God, this is who I am. Mm. Because I felt like for the times I was on birth control, I switched a little bit. Even one of my ex-boyfriends, he called it the low estrogen days. <laughs> He's like, remember the low estrogen days? Because I was on this birth control um, called low estrogen. Yes. And I was psychotic. I was probably psychotic anyways, but, and I just like, I was like, oh, this is who I am. I'm not controlled by these outside influences that are really mm-hmm. dictating who I am and how I show up and how I feel. And I felt a little bit out of control with my emotions. And I think when I got off birth control, I felt so much better and in my body and when you do get in tune with your cycle, because I don't think I had a regular cycle when I was on the birth controls I was on. And so when I finally was able to get in tune with my cycle, it was such a beautiful feeling and such a like powerful feeling to have your period and to have a healthy period. It's been so interesting to have conversations with people like Elisa Vitti and other experts on our show, which you can obviously listen to. We'll have them in the show notes as well. Talk about the beauty of the period and how feminine it is and how 
empowering it is mm-hmm. to know that you're able to carry a child with this beautiful thing that you get each month. So now I look forward to having my period. I feel really great because it shows me that my cycle is in sync. I'm treating my body well enough to ovulate at a certain time. So mm-hmm. now it's just been such a beautiful way to come back to the body. You can take birth control and not realize what it's actually doing to the cycles of your body. I didn't know that you're just like, you're only in one part of your cycle the entire time. I didn't know that. And I was like, oh my, oh my gosh. So I'm stopping a natural, very natural cycle in my body. And I started to think about like other natural cycles in my body. And what if I were to just like stop those? Yeah. And it's just... Again, you know, this is very, very personal. So we always want you to take what lands and leave what doesn't. But that really stuck with me where for so long I was only in one mm-hmm. cycle. I know. You know, and what the, cycle is that? Like the, I, just, I think it's luteal, but I'm not sure. I think it's they, so funny too it. how with everything, with like biohacking and stuff like that, it's like, we're always trying to like hack the body. Yeah. It's like our bodies are so intelligent mm-hmm. and so smart and, it just breaks my heart. It's like, this is this God-given beautiful instrument that we have and we're always trying to like fucking trick it. I know. We're like, this is actually diet food. <laughs> You're gonna like it. <laughs> we're like, this is not sugar, but you think it is. You know, there's so many tricks that we play and it's like- The, the body's, body's like, bitch, I know. Yeah, 100%. You're like, you think this aspartame, we think this is sugar? <laughs> this is not sugar. <laughs> We talk about also about the history. I I did not know the history yes. of birth control. So it actually helped me to put into context why it's such a complex issue. Because at the time that birth control was created, it was like a symbol of freedom for yep, women. Women's liberation. Yeah. So it's like same with abortion. It's so tied up mm-hmm. in that movement. And I'd say tied up just for lack of a better term, but it's really it's complicated uh-huh. and it's nuanced mm-hmm. for yeah. sure. A hundred percent. Yeah. It's interesting how certain social movements have sort of, and that's how a lot of movements get you. It really brings in the emotionality of something where it's like, oh, this is empowering for you to be able to do this. And it is empowering for most women to not be able to have a child until they're ready, until when they feel as good. And that's been something I feel privileged to be able to do. But then there is an empowerment of understanding and knowing the body in a really deep and intimate way too. So it's layered and it's complex and it'll be really good to dig into this and learn more about the history of birth control, um, learn more about sort of the relationship with the FDA and all about menstrual, hormonal, reproductive, and sexual health. Yeah, and you can watch The Business of Birth Control by going to thebusinessof.life. They actually have all of their documentaries that both Abby and Ricky have executive produced together. They are also best friends and business partners, so we chatted a little bit about that, but they're doing incredible work. Mm -hmm. It is brave. It is not always supported and funded properly. So just thank you both for doing the work that you do. And you can follow the business of birth control on Instagram at business of birth control. You can follow Ricky Lake at Ricky Lake and then Abby Epstein at Abby Epstein XOXO. And they have a masterclass in community that I just wanted to shout out that just launched. So if you are someone that is on birth control or coming off of birth control and really want support and education around uh, your health, hormones, every aspect of how this can be affecting your body, I highly recommend checking that out. Go to the business of dot life. 
And this is a great one to share with friends to start a conversation about birth control, about your experience, about what's worked for you, what hasn't. I think it's really empowering for us to be in conversation about topics like these. So definitely share this with your friends, with your sisters, with your community. It is a good one. Make sure you're subscribed to Almost 30. We have new episodes every week and we love to talk about things that you are interested in that help your path in life. We have our membership community that we love so, so, so very much. We have courses and programs all available at almost30.com. All right, y'all enjoy this one and we will see you on the other side. See you soon. Bye. Y'all, I am so excited. If you didn't know, I fall on like the smaller boob end of the spectrum of boobs, okay? Uh, And I found a brand that is wildly popular. Can't believe I'm just finding it now. They've sold over a million bras. They have thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands, 12,000 actually, five-star reviews. They make bras for small boobs and they do it exceptionally well. And I didn't think it was possible. I've always had kind of trouble getting the perfect fit of a bra. Usually there's this like big gap between my boob and the cup. I tend to have like a little bit of a wider torso. So it's just a situation. And I am loving, loving my pepper bra. So I wanted to tell you which one I got. I got a couple actually, but I'm going to go in order of like my fave. So I got the classic all you bra. I love all the colors that they come in. Uh, This classic all you bra is beautiful. It's simple and it's kind of sexy. It has kind of like these interesting like cutout shapes, but it's still coverage and just supports the boobs beautifully. Again, the colors are exceptional. I got Sienna Rose. I got the white smoke and I got grape shake. That's right. That's right, babies. They have a wide array of bras. I also got, I went into their wedding edit because your girl's thinking about, you know, the thing, the wedding. So I got the MVP multi-way strapless bra and it is so freaking comfortable. Usually strapless bras suck. I'm sorry, but this is perfect for my boobs. It just pushes them up just right. And it is so comfortable to wear and it's just looking great under any dress that I try on, if you know what I mean. So if you are out there and you have small boobs and you are looking for the perfect fit, please do not sleep on Pepper. You can try Pepper risk-free with free U.S. shipping and returns on orders over $99. Embrace the flat and flattering babies with bras that celebrate your body exactly as it is. Get 20% off your first order when you go to wearpepper.com slash almost. That's W-E-A-R-P-E-P-P-E-R.com slash almost to get 20% off your first order. That's wearpepper.com slash almost. One more time, let's spell it out. W-E-A-R-P-E-P-P-E-R.com slash almost. So even before I watched the doc last night and Marielle was coordinating this, I started to feel the intensity and just the importance of this conversation with you both because of the work that you've done, because of this doc, your other documentaries. And I started to think about how much our community has moved through this transition of understanding their experience with birth control, how their own unique bodies have been affected and 
we have been one of the many resources for people to have this conversation. And it's been liberating. It's been upsetting. It's been confronting. But overall, I felt this like surge of just excitement because it is hitting more of the mainstream. This did not exist 15 years ago when I started birth control. And so I'm just really, really thankful. So thank you both for your work and for being here. It's a pleasure. It is not easy. I mean, we are, and it's like, it's like we look at each other and it's like, why do we do this? Because there really is no money. It's I know. It's not about money. And, but yet, like, I know why we do it because we believe so strongly that these conversations need to be had. Yeah. You know, and, and, you know, I feel like, you know, we've had, we have some, a track record and some, some credit, we've established credibility with our first film, which was very much like the blind leading the blind. Like we, you know, we, I just had this passion about my experience of learning about birth Mm -hmm. through the, the births of my two children. And so I was just curious and I was, you know, post 9-11 and living through that day here in New York, I wanted to do projects that were impactful and not that my show wasn't impactful because it was on, and you know, it was a phenomenon and it was something I'm very proud of, but it was, didn't really represent me and my voice and mm. what I cared about and where I stood and where I, where I was passionate about. And so we partnered and we went on this journey and it just, we are characters in the film. She gets pregnant Can't halfway run. into directing <laughs> this film. So two years in, you know, so she becomes this, and just, but, but through that process of putting that film out and taking a lot of heat, you know, we were attacked, you know, it, it was a really sobering and eye-opening experience, but we knew we were onto something mm. because when the AMA and ACOG comes after you with this little tiny movie, you know, <laughs> We knew we we tapped into something, and it's the same kind of thing with this film. But they are so hard to make; they take forever. And the timing of this, you know, we started this project in 2014. No way. Oh yeah. So wow. our first interview, I go back to my phone. I can, you know, our first interview was in my house <laughs> with the Langharts in 2014. And cut to where we're re- we released this this movie last month, and mm-hmm. look at the climate and what's happening with women's choice being taken away. And you know, again, it's like I know where kind of tapping the tiger a bit, you know? Mm-hmm. But I again, I think we're, we're onto something. We're telling this truth, and we don't have an agenda. We're not trying to tell women what to do. We want to give them this, this accessible information yes. so that they can make an informed choice when it comes to their bodies, period. Yes, yeah, we... That's, that's similar to our ethos because there's so much information out there. There's so much fear being projected. There's so much really marketing of things rather than educating of the facts. And and so I really resonate with that. I would love to talk about what inspired you to make this particular film, The Business of Birth Control, through your own experiences. Because I know we all have experience mm-hmm. with birth control. So I'm just curious the start of that. I think like you said, I mean, it's really hard. You can't talk to anyone who doesn't have some kind of a birth control journey, right? It's almost like a birth story. Mm. It's like everybody has this journey of like products they tried and failed and side effects and, you know, cycling through different options and kind of where they landed. It's a really difficult conversation to have because, I mean, I had the experience, like I think many women do, where when I tried to have the conversation with my provider, who I actually thought was a really good gynecologist and I trusted her, It's not so much, I mean, I was 
felt a little bit gaslit, you know, just being told, well, that couldn't be, you know, a result of the pill or this couldn't be. I was basically told, well, we'll just find another pill. Like this just isn't the right. I wish that we could individualize this medication, but we we can't. So I think that instead of having a conversation of like, oh, maybe hormonal contraception doesn't agree with you because I, you know, it, and again, going even further back, I think if I look at why I was put on the pill, I was put on the pill because I had started menstruating quite late. Like I didn't get my period till I was 16. I went to college at 18 and I stopped having periods. And I actually think that I did because I was in a pretty new environment and I wasn't comfortable. And I was sharing a bathroom with like a hundred strangers in a dorm. And I'm hearing left and right about on-campus rape and rape and rape and attacks. And it wasn't a climate where my body felt like comfortable, you know, and there is a connection. That's, it starts in your hypothalamus. So I think that that was the reason that I was put on the pill. There was no real medical indication for me. I didn't have a boyfriend. I wasn't using it for contraception. So I couldn't even take the step back to say, why am I on the pill at at all? You know, it was more Mm -hmm. of like, okay, well, you've got to be on this. And now we're sort of covering all these birds with stones, you know, in terms of like, we'll cover the, the contraception and we'll cover that you're not menstruating. But I did have like some pretty intense mental health effects from it. And there was like a pill that she put me on to like bring on a period that was like 10 days of crying. You know, it was just like, like probably just hormones flooding my system. And then when I went on the actual pill, again, it was it's hard, right? Because you're trying to assess like, am I having depression and anxiety because I'm away from home, right? Or is this me? Is this my brain? Is this the medication? It's It's very nuanced. I think that like a lot of us, we try to be good soldiers and like we do what we're told and we trust our doctors and we're like, well, I should really stay on this even though it was making me entirely miserable. And then I did end up switching to a bunch of different pills, finally found one that I could tolerate mentally, (laughs) but it was doing other things to me, right? It was sort of killing my libido. But, you know, at 22 or 23, you don't don't even know what your libido is. Sure. (laughs) So, (laughs) I don't know. I thought I was having good sex. Mm -hmm. Looking back, I was not having good sex. (laughs) I was not having good orgasms, but I didn't know, you know. So, and I was also, I think, in relationships that now with the research we've done and what we show in the movie, I think that the pill was also affecting my relationships. I was definitely drawn to more like feminine kind of men. A lot of ex-boyfriends are now gay. You know, <laughs> it was like very textbook for, for what you read about how these things can change your brain. And, and I also, when I did finally go off around 29, I guess I went off for 30, there was like a huge change to my sexual appetites, to my mm-hmm. attraction. You know, I could, I really felt like a big shift. And again, that sort of rocked my life. You know, you stumble on these things. I remember when we were making the film, we found Natalie Portman did a speech at Yale where she reflected back on how her freshman year was really marred by a depression brought on by the birth control pill. And we were like, oh, wow. You know, like, I didn't read about that. I didn't know about that. You kind of feel, wow, like, how many women is this happening to? And now that we've made the movie, 
we we just have we have so many stories. And I think it's been really validating for a lot of women to be able to see the movie and then reflect on their experience and feel validated like I wasn't crazy, this wasn't in my head. Yes. Yeah, and you know, your story just makes me think about how we are not taught, whether it's by our GP or even our parents, and bless them because they weren't taught, but to be in tune with our bodies, you know? So we do have this reliance on the doctor, and we think that they know all, not that they don't know things, but there isn't that innate ability to question. Just ask, like, you know, this is not feeling quite right in my body. I'm actually feeling like this is not aligned for me. I would love another option. And yeah, it's just really interesting to think about how that kind of starts that disconnection from our own bodies so that when, you know, we are put on birth control or things start happening to our bodies, it almost feels like we're trying to fight a problem, but our body is just trying to communicate with us. And I felt like my 20s, which is when I was on birth control from 18 to 28, was such a battle with my body, you know, just such a battle with how I was feeling, the acne, the this, the that, and and I really wasn't listening, you know, up until a certain point when it was literally conversations on the podcast just lit this light bulb, and I was like, oh, I don't know why I'm taking this every day. I have no idea why. And I don't feel great. You know, I was functioning for sure, but I don't feel, I feel like there's more. I feel like there's more vitality to me. So all that to say, it's been a journey from that point to really like get in tune with my body and our community is doing the same, which is so, so beautiful. What was your I mean, I was on the pill and, and I was also on an IUD later in life, mm-hmm. but I, the pill, I just, what I remember is going to get my yearly pap smear and there would be a stack of new pills that they would offer. For yes. Free. So in my mind, I didn't question that it's a different formula, that it can have a different effect on me. Mm-hmm. For me, it saved me a trip to the pharmacy. I didn't have to pay a copay. They just gave it to me. And I wasn't in tune. Like I can't reflect. My thing is that I dealt with hair loss, significant hair loss. And that is a direct side effect to going on or off these pills. And so had I known when I was first prescribed birth control, if I knew that there was a good chance that Mm -hmm. this could be a side, I mean, I might've made a different decision, but I was not offered any sort of information about what I was taking. It's just, it seemed to just lead a quick fix. And it seemed like, like candy, you know, it just was the packaging, and it just felt so innocuous. And um, but yeah, you I, also you were a late bloomer like me. Like you weren't I having sex. At 14. Though. I wasn't sexually active until I was almost pill. 21. I didn't mm-hmm. have acne. I didn't have painful periods. Like, <laughs> Why were you on it? Now, <laughs> I, like, I know because everybody else was. It was a cool thing. But that's kind of the thing. <laughs> yes, I remember thinking, oh wow, this is a this is a like a womanhood. Yes, right. That I remember my mom right taking it, mm-hmm. and I'm like, oh no. Just like the, it's like when you get a bra. Yes. (laughs) Yes. That's what it's become. Mm -hmm. It's very frightening. Mm -hmm. And and we, we want to make it clear that we, we want the birth control, all birth control options available to anyone who wants them. We just want them to know the side effects, the the pros and cons, because there's pros and cons to all of them. But I was going to say that, you know, now, now that I'm 53 and I still get a cycle, 
and I've made, we've made this movie. I've learned so much. It is fascinating. It's like, it's like flipping the script on like understanding, oh my God, I'm more creative at this time of the month or these ebbs and flows are, it's, it's, it makes sense, you know, that we follow the cycle of the moon and it's a way of looking at it as opposed to hating my period, hating on it. It's really like, wow, this is what makes me, me. And, and I've come to a place where I do track my cycle. And the fact that I still get a period at 53, I am embracing it because it does make me feel like I have my vitality still. And, you know, it's, yeah, it's been a journey. Mm-hmm. I, you know, it, it, yeah, it's just, it's just so interesting. And to hear everyone's stories from the film and outside, it's just, it's important. This stuff really matters. Yeah, there's just such a, it might sound cheesy, but it's like, I loved myself more when I realized that like my body had that innate power to be in a cycle. Mm-hmm. And to, you know, the the week after my period, I'm like on fire. I'm social, I'm creative, uh-huh. I'm this, but then during my period, I'm very introspective and yeah. and honoring that and and cycle syncing yeah. is yeah. what I kind of know it as has yeah. changed my life. Yeah. I'm no longer doing yeah. hit workouts yeah. the week of my period. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, it's just it brought a whole new level of self-love, mm-hmm. body love and appreciation that like I didn't know. Yeah. Existed. And I think that it's, you know, eliminating cycles, which is exactly what hormonal yes. birth control does, right? So I'm sure because you've had like a Lisa Vitti on the show and you you know, but I mean, essentially it kind of puts you in like a permanent luteal phase, you know? And I think that that's a very masculine way to live. And it's, and it's really a very masculine way to approach life. And it's not innate, I think, to like a cisgendered female body. And I do think looking back in that decade in my 20s when I was on it, I actually, I was like so success oriented and so achievement oriented. And I was achieving a lot and I was very successful and driven, but my ambition was like overriding. And I actually look back on a lot of situations and feel that I was really disconnected from my empathy. And I, I just wasn't connected, you know, and I and I think that's all part when you change your hormonal makeup, when you change your sex hormones, it affects your brain, it affects your personality, it affects everything about you. And that's that's the part of this that I, you know, we found in the film gets taken too lightly to say that, you know, mood or depression is a, a side effect is to so trivialize mm-hmm. women's mental health. It changes you. Yes. It really does. What you were saying is very typical about the sense of like, well, I just felt kind of blah, but, you know, there wasn't anything like so specific. There wasn't this like crazy side effect. And, you know, one of the, a a lot of people in the film, they would describe like coming off birth control as like their, their life was like a two dimensional drawing. And then suddenly it became like Mm. 3D in color or they felt like sort of a, a veil was pulled off their eyes. You know, there, it's it's subtle, right? But it's not subtle when it's yes. how you're meeting the world every day. Absolutely. I want to talk about, like, the, the complexity of this because in watching the documentary, I was so— because I didn't know the origins of, like, when birth control came out and yeah. the marketing behind it, the languaging— and really what it meant to the women's movement, the women's health movement, I didn't realize that. And in seeing that, 
I was like, oh, this is so complex mm-hmm. because this potential risk for your health is is masked in like freedom. Right. Here yes, you go. Right. Here you go. Go out. Like, you know, express yourself sexually and do not worry about getting pregnant. Continue your careers and your aspirations. That sounds mm-hmm. good, I guess, right? Like for most women, especially at that time. And I just, I found myself getting pissed because mm-hmm. I'm like, man, that that was such a, you know, for lack of a better word, like genius marketing move Yeah, to mask it in that freedom. Can you talk a little bit about mm-hmm. that in creating this film and just bringing that to the forefront? Because I can imagine perhaps you were sold the same thing when you went on birth control, kind of that feeling of like freedom. Empowerment. Yes. Mm-hmm. And again, I think it isn't what's empowering, right, is to have control over your fertility. Mm-hmm. That's really what's empowering. It's not empowering if you are taking a medication that has never fully been explained to you and you're unaware, you don't have true informed consent. That is not empowering. It's really, I think, you know, not about a focus on like a particular product or drug, but it's very complicated because, yes, so much of, you know, women's emancipation is tied into this. And it's definitely from a workplace level, you know, I think the mm-hmm. pill, oh my God, it was like transformative, right? In the 60s and, and, and 70s to, to level the playing field. I think that all of these movements, right, they evolve. And we didn't know, like, we didn't know about the Nelson pill hearings when we started making this movie. We didn't know the history. Mm. I didn't know there was a feminist health movement in the 70s. Like, we didn't know that women were protesting the pill and interrupting Senate hearings. Sadly, I think, you know, because of this sort of widespread adoption of this as sort of like, this is, you know, okay, you just put girls on synthetic hormones and they just stay on synthetic hormones until they're ready to procreate. It's become such a sort of unquestioned Mm. part of women's journey that I think there's this really, like, there's just silence and fear around this conversation. That's one of the reasons we wanted to take on this movie because we're so clearly pro-choice and pro-access and we're Mm -hmm. liberal. So we wanted to create a space to say, it's okay. Like there has to be a safe space to have these conversations, to discuss the downsides, right, of birth control. And we felt it was important to look at really all the downsides, which can be fatal. Yes, mm-hmm. which we we show in the movie. And so we think it's important to, sh- to show the range because again, if you know and you're informed and look, if you, if you like really, really need to be on birth control, but it depresses you. So you're going to take an antidepressant and that's what you choose. Like if that's what you choose, if you're like, well, I feel good on my antidepressant and my birth control Mm -hmm. pill because I cannot give up my birth control. Fantastic. Like we stand for you. We support you. There's no judgment in this, in this space. But I think that What we've noticed is that, you know, especially for, let's say, millennials and Gen Z, this is not a complicated conversation to have at all. It seems to start (laughs) at the, like, Gen X up. That's Mm -hmm. where you get sort of, like, you know, I would say more like the 
Feminists. Yes, because these are feminists that remember when, you know, these options weren't available and how can you question them? Sure. And, you know, any word spoken out against the pill is like a strike against women, right? Yeah. It's tricky. I wonder, did you know about the Margaret Sanger? I had no idea. I mean, during the making of it, because we were, you you put that in because that happened during the filming that she's getting her name removed removed from it. I didn't know about the history of eugenics. Eugenics. I didn't. I didn't know about a lot of the experimentation and exploitation on women of color. Like, Mm -hmm. I knew that some trials were done in Puerto Rico. And of course, I knew about slavery. And I knew that, you know, obstetrics and gynecology was basically, you know developed on the backs of enslaved people like that I knew generally but I don't think I I knew how specifically it affected those communities of color and again I think that's why all of this is included in the film right you can't like when we were doing the film if you sat in a room let's say and any woman of color would raise her hand and be like oh you know this is a very specific wound mm-hmm. for my community so it's like, oh, it is? We'll tell, you know, because that that was part of also making the film is that I think this affects people from different racial backgrounds very, very differently. So mm-hmm. as privileged white women, we can have a certain conversation, right, sure. about this. That's That's very, very different maybe for a woman of color who maybe felt more coerced to be on mm-hmm. a long-acting birth control. Yeah. Uh, those early trials, I was... I was shocked, not only by the experimentation in Puerto Rico, but even just that, the results that they got. And then it was still pushed and marketed in such a way. I was really, really shocked. And it just made me think of that, like, risk versus benefit thing happening. And you brought this up in the documentary where no matter what, the prevailing narrative obviously is going to be the benefit. And this is why you should take it. Can we peel back the layers a little bit on like the business side of it? Yeah. Um, And I can imagine you're getting heat. (laughs) I can imagine. I can imagine it's a little scary, perhaps. I don't want to say I'm used to it because it really does hurt my feelings because we we have no agenda. We just want to help Mm -hmm. women. Mm -hmm. Like that's it, you know? And so, yes, it's scary, but but I don't know. I just feel like if not us, then who? I know. You know? And it is like it's exciting to reach to your audience mm-hmm. that are more informed and, and don't want to put endocrine disruptors mm-hmm. in their body and mm-hmm. eat organic and take good care of everything they put in their system. It's a matter of, like, reaching and starting this movement mm-hmm. for women that are like on board and just need to know more. You know? Mm-hmm. And what they use, which we talk about in the movie for the sort of risk analysis is they say, well, the, and this is the business piece of it, right? That they say, well, the risk of a blood clot is higher in pregnancy. And so that's how they justify the risk. Now, you know, what does that tell you, right? So your choice is to be on the pill or be pregnant, mm-hmm. really? I mean, how is that an apt comparison. That's what I, th- that's what I thought. I literally yeah. thought that when I was younger. Yeah. Right. And that's the marketing. I would get nervous if I like missed it. I didn't understand that I was only fertile six right. days a month yeah. right. max. Right. I did not know that. So that's why it's just so, yeah, I mean, continue with the business. But 
Yeah, and just as far as, I mean, we've been shut down of, you know, mainstream media will not cover. Yeah, they're happy to talk about my hair loss journey and my mm -hmm. new marriage, but they don't want to show a clip of our film because standards and practices, they're all, you know, tied in with big pharma. Of course. So that's the business side. It's like taking on, you know, just, just Goliath. Well, and I, yeah, and the thing that I find so hypocritical it's sort of interesting because it's similar to when we did the business of being born and there was this tension between like midwives and OBs, let's say, sure. you know, and you almost have to say, how can like midwives be a threat to your profession? I mean, they barely attend, you know, like this tiny percentage of births in the U.S. 8 but percent of yeah, it's like but a it's, collaboration if you want it to be. It can yes, be, potentially. Yes, totally. exactly. And I but I think what's happening here and you've probably experienced this before is there's a little bit of a, like a war on wellness. Mm -hmm. And if you look at who's mm -hmm. funding the war on wellness and who's planting some of these pieces in yes. the media, you yes. will find that these are people with vested interest. Follow the money, baby. Follow the money. <laughs> and so that's what I find is like, you know, we've received criticism, let's say that, you know, some of the naturopaths or hormonal health experts in our film, like, sell supplements, right? So they can't wait to sort of put that in the line of attack. Like, oh, this is snake oil. And, you know, they're financially profiting from this misinformation. And it's like, wait a minute, you're going to talk about financially profiting? Yeah. So doctors and pharmaceutical companies and healthcare mm -hmm. companies don't financially profit from people being sick and needing drugs. I mean, it's, it's sort of, I would say it's a marketing and business machine that we are so outgunned in a way that there's absolutely no way for us to match like the 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 media and the marketing PR spin. Yeah. Absolutely no way. Mm -hmm. But what we can do is put the film out and let people decide for themselves and let the film resonate with people and just put the information out there and we are surely not profiting, mm -hmm. <laughs> I can tell you that. Well, one thing I'm excited about for more women in particular to watch this is kind of this intuitive spark that happens when you watch it. You're like, I had like 40 of them last night. <laughs> I was like, and it was very, very cool. You know, I was, I was connecting the dots on a lot of my experiences, feelings, relationships, successes, failure, you know, not in a judgmental way, but just being like, oh, wow, how would I have been able to focus in that way on that thing when I was feeling this, you know, just really having a lot of compassion for myself, knowing that during that 10-year period, I was on birth control. I also wanted to say that I was shocked just on the media piece. I was kind of shocked that there were new stations. I don't know if they were local. I saw some on the national level that were talking about how birth control could be harmful to women and, and they were sharing about like apps and things like that to track your cycle. That did actually shock me. I was surprised that they would share that. Yeah. Did you did you feel well, the same way or is it just kind of like- It's a personal story. Like it's when the, that newscaster can relate to what we're saying. Yes, totally. <laughs> it is, but it's also financial. I mean, I think that, don't mm. forget, if they see that women are turning toward- Femtech, That's so true. Go see who's invested in those companies. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of those companies that are, I mean, we've seen recently sort of the scandal about selling data. Yes. Mm -hmm. And that's something that Ricky and I, I remember, at the, do you remember at the very, very beginning of the movie, 
we were kind of looking, like doing our research and we talked to, it was one of those like way back. Okay. It was that one. It was one of the first ones. He had started this for supposedly fertility. But after one conversation with them, we got on the phone with their marketing women and we could tell they had no interest in women's health Mm. whatsoever. There was nothing about what we were talking about that vibed with them. It made no sense. And it was really because they were really just trying to sell data. I mean, that was really the whole point of their company. So I also think now the dollars, whether they're pharmaceuticals or I'm sure you've seen now this proliferation of like birth control, like mail-in companies, right? So go look at who's on their medical boards. Go Mm -hmm. look at who their advisors are. Go look at who's funding. You know, so there's there's now more sort of vesting than just pharmaceutical. And I think that some of these apps and some of these like new companies are going to have a little money in that too, right? Because if that takes off. So, you know, I, I think it's hard to avoid like financial interests having a pretty big hand on anything you see covered in like mainstream media, I would say, with, with few exceptions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I I started to think about the attention where it's going with so many women, especially in our community, where they are looking to track their cycles and look for alternatives. And I was thinking about, oh, wow, these companies, you know, that we know and love who have cycle tracking apps and things like that using the basal body temperature. I was like, oh, wow, the attention's going there. I wonder who from the other camps of more... <laughs> mainstream birth control contraceptives are going to take interest in that. It's just a really interesting thing to monitor, to watch. You know, obviously, we have to remember, like, what works for our bodies and just support that. But it's, I can imagine if you have, you know, a femtech company that is doing the right thing and you get offered a lot of money, you know, what do you do? It's It's it's, valuable information. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah, people's data now, what they're saying. I mean, I don't know. It's so handmade tale, but they're going to be like following on these apps, the women and tracking their cycles to make sure that if they don't leave the state, if they're pregnant. And yeah, I mean, it's 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 they're it's threatening really, to use. Why would it. they do that? Why would they do? Yes. That? Uh, to prosecute illegal abortions. Oh, wow. Wow. Mm-hmm. OK, that's like, yeah. So that's why there's now all all these apps have come out. I think, you know, a lot, the ones that are featured in our film, like, you know, Clue and Natural Cycles and and Flow Living and Daisy, and they've all come out and really said, we don't, you know, your data's private, but they all had to come out and make these statements because now, wow, we are going into a potentially handmaid's world, you know, and it is scary to think of somebody owning that data, right? Mm -hmm. And seeing that you had a period and then you didn't, but there wasn't a pregnancy, but then you don't, you know, like they could connect the dots. So terrifying, terrifying. right? Just when you think it's like, okay, <laughs> and then you're like, what? You're going to track me? I know. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. I mean, and again, like I think, you know, when you first came in here, Ricky, you're like, we don't want to have a conversation to spread fear about anything, which I think is just important to to remind people because it, you know, information is power. Yes. So you telling me that my initial is like, oh God, but it's like, okay, now I know, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, and now I'm yeah. aware. Yeah. And I'm not going to be unconsciously just kind of saying yes and doing the thing because everyone else is doing it. Yeah. yeah. Very powerful. Yeah. Yeah. 
I want to talk about, in the film, it was incredibly emotional to hear the stories of parents who had lost their daughters, specifically to Nuvering. Mm-hmm. Um, I know there are others, but I was just so, so taken aback and emotional um, because I just really, I can only imagine the pain of allowing your daughter to go on birth control and not knowing the side effects. What has happened just in, whether it's legislation or even in conversations in, a, in the doctor's office, as a result of these deaths? Because we see some of the progress in the film, but I didn't get an idea of whether it... It's, I mean, there's a, there's a darkness that is not in our film, but... Yeah, we it, had it in the film and then we took it out because mm-hmm. it was like too much. So mm-hmm. the main protagonist, Karen Langhart, the mother of Eric Langhart, yes. she's the one who speaks. And she just wanted, I mean, her, her, she was so annihilated by losing her daughter in this way, a healthy 24-year-old uh, from a pulmonary embolism. And she just wants to get the word out to save other daughters and women. And she never got to have her time where she, you know, wanted to change the labeling. They would just push her She never her even got a day in court. She never got a day in wow. court. Wow. And she ended up taking her life after after she arranged I me. Mean, she really just like spearheaded all these families. She had found this amazing researcher. She wanted to just do some studies and, and have mm-hmm. us document and get the word out to just warn other women. Yeah. Not to pull these drugs necessarily off the market, but have a warning mm-hmm. label yes. that is prominent enough for people to actually see. And she was so beaten down by, you know, I don't know which company it was, but one of the Mercs. Merck, I yeah. think. And uh, she ended up, she had, she had basically arranged the summit for us that a weekend in Vegas, three days where we all went and gathered. And it was all these families that had lost their daughters in the same way. Some activists, scientists. We filmed it. It was mm. a beautiful conference. And then we left. And by the time we got home, there was a box that said, "When you, by the time you read this, I'll have joined Erica. And so she... Her foundation helped us to finish the film. This was her dying wish, mm-hmm. was to get the word out, get this messaging out, uh, to save women. I have to really give credit to Marie Brenner's article in Vanity Fair mm-hmm. called Danger in the Ring. Marie Brenner did an incredible article on the Nuva Ring, and that article really helped us with that area of the film. You know, that's where we found, like, the Langharts were in that article Certain other people were in that article. Marie Brenner, really, she gets so much deeper in that Vanity Fair piece than we could ever get, you know, having this be one of many stories in a documentary film. But I think that it's, to me, it was almost like, you know, talking about the deaths. um, And by the way, you know, the film doesn't cover, because we couldn't fit everything in, the amount of people we interviewed who didn't die. Were injured. But had a stroke and exactly, and are now paralyzed or can't use one side of their body or trying to raise their child and can't use their right hand and uh, are just are on, you know, blood thinners for the rest of their life and are going to have a high-risk pregnancy. You know, so there's lot of phases that you can have with with a blood clot, you know, that don't go all the way to pulmonary embolism, but there are strokes, you know, there are s- survivable versions. It's very hard to talk about, you know, that particular side effect. It was almost like when we did The Business of Being Born and you mentioned the word home birth, you know, it was like you would just get like the entire white coats, like every mm-hmm. medical professional would be like, you know, home birth, home birth, home birth, you know, and this is the same thing. It's like when you 
when they, you even give these people space to tell their stories, yes. you get this real hardcore defensiveness of like, well, you're not presenting the risks accurately. We're not in the movie trying to say that, you know, this is a common side effect. But I also think I was surprised that the women who died in the movie didn't have any of the pre-existing symptoms that I was taught growing up made this a danger. Yes. Like either smoking, smoking being overweight, obesity, mm-hmm. or a clotting uh, disorder. Like I was kind of told that, you know, oh, you know, all of those incidences really, you have to have this underlying condition. So I was sort of shocked that none of these women had any of those conditions. And I think that what's important and what's important in the film is to understand, first of all, that it could have been diagnosed if the symptoms were connected. For instance, the migraines, like one of the girls in the movie had migraines, not connected to to the nuvering. It could be leg cramps, Mm -hmm. tiredness. You know, there are signs and symptoms, but they're not tracked and they're not connected and women aren't warned about them. And so I think that, you know, part of the message is just not to create fear, right? But to create awareness. And I also think, you know, I mean, one of the dads in the movie, Joe Malone, he took like two years off his uh, job Mm -hmm. to just research this. And it's very hard to research in this country because, for instance, like in Europe, in a lot of countries, they took those pills off the market. Here, they won't do that. But from his research, he he equates it to somewhere between 300 and 600 women die each year. Like, he equates it to, like, two airplanes going down. And he's like, if two airplanes crashed full of young women, wouldn't that be newsworthy? But I think what happens here in this country is that, A, it's not tracked. It's not reported. We don't have a healthcare system that tracks these incidences. And also Families that- Families that get the payout. That's right. Take the payout. They have to sign a gag order. Right. So Mm -hmm. their story can never be heard. Mm -hmm. Right. So if you're part of a class action lawsuit, yeah, you're not allowed to talk about it. So it's like a double whammy. Yeah, that stat of, I don't know if it was- I don't want to misspeak, but one of the companies, I think it was, they had $500 million dedicated to oh, yeah, paying Bayer. for... Yeah, yeah Bayer, Thank you. Yes. Um, they all do that. Yes. So it's like, mm-hmm. that's where the money's going, not into the research. The safety. The safety. Exactly. It's going into paying out. Yeah. It's the cost which, of doing business. They've already factored it in, these payouts. Yes. Which is just wild. That is heartbreaking. It just makes me think about the importance of the people have a lot of power, you know, when we come together and have conversations. And, you know, I'm I'm thankful that within our community, even within my friend groups, we are having conversations about our health, wellness, birth control is definitely a topic of conversation. And so many of my friends coming off of birth control. What have you found to be really bringing you hope? in a community sense. You featured some of these groups in the documentary, and I thought it was just so, so beautiful. I love when we were like, it was at some conference, and they were like kind of walking through the vagina. And I was like, (laughs) I didn't even flinch. I was like, this is kind of rad. Like, we never, we never did this. You know what I mean? I remember having a conversation with my mom. I think I was like 14, 13 or something. And I had yet to get my period, but she was like walking me through 
the vagina, but she was holding a brush. And she's like, so this is, and I'm like, what? Do you know what I mean? But if she were to show me her vagina, I'd probably be so embarrassed and run away. (laughs) (laughs) But I thought it was so cool and liberating. And it made me feel like, yeah, wow, like we have just these like powerful parts of our bodies that are the center of creation that, you know, just tell such a story. Highs and lows and all the things. So what is giving you hope as far as the community conversation out there? I just wanted to credit, because that cervical self-exam class Mm -hmm. that you saw in LA, that is a woman named Pamela Samuelson. Okay. And she has a a company called Embody Work, Embody Work LA. And, you know, we, we just, we so appreciated that we got to film that class because I felt the same way. I felt like, this is so rad. Mm-hmm. Like, here we are. We're doing what these, you know, women did in the 70s. And, and all of these, like, young women in the room were, like, so excited to look at their cervix. And then what's not in the movie is, like, I spoke to them after the class. Because we left. Like, we didn't film when they all were looking at <laughs> totally. their cervixes. <laughs> but when they came out of the room after, I remember talking to them. And I just, they were lit. They were lit. It was like they were high you know, on, oh my God, that was the coolest thing. And it's like, they just saw a part of their own body Mm -hmm. for the first time. How crazy is that? That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, you know, I'm hopeful because we've been through this. This isn't our first rodeo, you know, different movie, different subject matter, but kind of the same too. You know, the business of being born, it's 14 years since that movie came out. You know, we went from being attacked, being completely vilified, and then, 14 years later, it, it is now in like medical journals as having this huge impact. So I just, I, I hope that this is a conversation starter. And we have a masterclass series that we're releasing as well because we have hours and hours of more content of, you know, things on specifically endometriosis or PCOS mm-hmm. or specific, you know, things for people that want more information. Because I can imagine, you know, a young person watches this, watches this film, it's like, okay, what the hell do I do now, you know? Yes. And so we we want to just start a movement and, and get people really amped and lit about knowing their bodies and understanding their options and being able to make an informed choice when it comes to their bodies. Did you know that the drugs we take to manage period cramps were invented in the 1950s and exclusively tested on men? (laughs) What? It's literally outrageous that there hasn't been more innovation when it comes to periods. Deloon is changing that with dietitian formulated solutions that relieve our symptoms while actually supporting cycle health. Because our cycles affect every aspect of our wellness, period pain, mood, sleep, skin, metabolism, energy, and more. I, I don't know about you, but you know, some some months I'm like, oh my gosh, like everything has to stop, but it really can't because I'm experiencing, you know, really bad cramps or headaches, fatigue, you bloating, you name it. I've really tried a lot of things and while I think I've gotten most of my symptoms under control, it doesn't mean they still don't happen and kind of disrupt my flow. So I was really excited to find Deloon and recommend it to a lot of my friends. And they have been absolutely loving it. I was talking to a friend the other day that experienced like really, really bad periods, cramps, and just all these symptoms. And she was so happy 
uh, to try Daloon, she's noticed that her symptoms have subsided. They don't last as long. They're not as intense. And she can really just be in her life, which is really nice. So Daloon Nutritional Solutions are dietitian formulated to work with your cycle health, not against it. It'll help you all month long while also relieving your cramps and PMS during your period. Daloon creates effective drug-free supplements for period cramps, PMS, and optimal cycle health. So you can get the relief you need naturally, which I'm all about, and start feeling like your best self. So if you want high-potency, fast-acting supplements for your period cramps, PMS, and really getting your cycle health in its prime top condition, like 92% of their customers report that relief, try Daloon. Leave bad periods behind and start the new year off with 23% off. Go to cyclehealth.com slash almost 30 and use the code almost 30 to get 23% off plus free shipping. If Daloon isn't the right match for you, your money back is guaranteed. That's cyclehealth.com slash almost 30 and use the code almost 30 to get 23% off plus free shipping. Masterclass is genius. Yeah. I was just about to ask about because there are people out there who are on birth control and were put on birth control because of their PCOS, endometriosis. Granted, I've also heard that sometimes it causes, so I don't exactly know with each case. So I'm excited for them to dig into the masterclass, but just kind of initially, you know, what would you say are some options that you've discovered for people who were put on birth control to able to like have a normal quote, normal experience in their bodies health-wise if they were feeling incredibly debilitated before? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think that there are people who've been really, you know, outspoken about the fact that, like, just I think recently with endometriosis, I mean, Lena Dunham was talking about it for a long time, but, you know, Amy Schumer's just really come out about her experience and not being diagnosed until 40. Yes. So if you have... A condition like that, there is no research being done. And really being on hormonal birth control is all you got, you know? And that's really, I think, a, a savior mm-hmm. for people who are suffering with that kind of like monthly pain and cycles. And I think that's, okay, so that's like the flip side, right? That's a, that's a great sort of empowering way. But I also think that, you know, there's, there's a lack there, right? That we're not really looking at because as we explain in the film, it's really a Band-Aid solution. And, you know, if you do want to have a child and then you do want to come off, you are going to be thrown right back into all the same mm-hmm. symptoms from your condition. And that's really a lack of, you know, women's health research, which is like a whole nother story. There is just no research being done Why? into the root causes. Why do you think? I think... Women. Yeah, I think we're yeah. women. I think it's because we're women and we don't complain. We don't advocate. I mean, look at like, for example, like penile erectile dysfunction, for example. Right. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Studies, drugs, free drugs, Viagra covered by insurance. Right. Like, God forbid anything to do with the penis. And I think women are mostly expected to sort of suck it up. And then because we have the birth control pill to sort of like band-aid things mm-hmm. and, and suppress symptoms, that was the solution. I mean, that was the solution and that's the only solution, but it works, right? 
it, it works for the moment. I mean, it, it reduces symptoms. So I think that's also probably, I would think, has, has delayed research. But look now, right? It's like menopause is having this whole renaissance, right? Because suddenly it's like Gen X is coming into menopause. And they're mm-hmm. like, what the hell? Why are there no products? No research. I'm in the dark. You know, groups of women just desperate, desperate, don't understand what's happening to their hormones, don't know what to take, don't know what to do. But that's what I think is really so promising to me, I think, is this sort of community of support. And I honestly feel, and I feel this way about childbirth, and there have been many studies done to back up what I'm saying, Mm -hmm. but community-based, like, I would say, you know, postpartum and community-based maternity care is very, very successful. And I and I do think that there is something to women being in community, you know, as opposed to in a clinical setting with a physician where you're naked in a, you know, open gown mm-hmm. <laughs> and they're in a white coat and it's a huge power disparity and it's very intimidating you're not really comfortable and you're not really having a conversation. It's not that conducive to, to healing. But I think there is really something amazingly kind of red tent magical about when, when women are learning together. And whether that's in like peer-to-peer workshops or like fabulous places like Loom in LA that mm-hmm. we've worked with that are just teaching classes, but in community. You know, and I, that's what I find, honestly, like the most exciting that I feel like it's a sort of breaking of the chains and women just saying, you know what, like the information that I'm getting from this, you know, kind of really, really profit driven, broken Mm -hmm. U.S. medical system, it's, it's not cutting it. It's not cutting it. It's not enough. I think what we do need more of is we do need to evolve contraception. We're now working with a great company that's coming on the market in the next two years that does a a 10-minute painless reversible vasectomy-like procedure. And I think like when they're on the market, that could really be a game changer because then you're talking about Instead of putting your daughter, let's say, on hormones, you take your son before your son goes to college, right? And you go to the doctor and you have this little 10-minute procedure and, you know, it's all good until he wants to have a baby. And so that, I think, like just opening up to new ways to think about this conversation, like that's really what we need is we need more non-hormonal development so that there's more choices, right? So the people who want hormonal, it's always going to be there. It's not going anywhere. It's easy to access, you know. Mm-hmm. But the people who want other options, you know, I think that's really where we do in some way need industry to like pick up and and see that there's a market, yes. right? There is a market and they could create non-hormonal options and there's there's interest. Yeah, that's so fascinating about just the male side of, I was like, oh, really? <laughs> yeah, I feel like that's, and and not only is that really interesting and exciting, but it also almost like shifts the, the kind of the zeitgeist around all of this, where it's like, 
they have a collaborative part and responsibility in this. I'm thinking, you know, I'm really excited to watch the business of birth Mm -hmm. with my fiance because, you know, I don't know. I, I, I don't, his mom is a maternity nurse for 30 years, but I don't think he knows a ton. I'm oh, thankful. She's seen it then. I'm thankful to her because she kind of has that balance of the holistic and being in the hospital. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if you know, I don't know if he knows a thing after those 30 years. And I'm really excited to just have him see this and feel like he has a part, you know, too. I feel like I have had many a conversation with past boyfriends where they're like, are you on birth control? And I didn't think twice about saying, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Rather than like, oh, what? (laughs) Are you? (laughs) And it's almost like a parrot where they just think that that's what they have to say in order to be like, are we good? And it's like, oh, wow, what does that mean? And so this, that gives me, that gives me a lot of a lot of hope, especially if it's reversible. Oh, I think we need that. And I think especially now with what's on the horizon, right? With this abortion ban. Yes. Because think about it. You're adding an extra burden now to the women. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. An extra burden. Because then you're saying you they have to be on some sort of a birth control. And that's, again, yes. it's creating more burden. It's this like is why it's so burden. complex. Yeah. It's so complex in that way. Because you wouldn't initially think that and connect that to birth control initially. Right. Because I, I, I feel like, you know, the narrative and the media does such a good job of focusing on one thing mm-hmm. and only like just going, like, leaning this way and not yeah. looking at, oh, wow, how would it affect this? Right, right, right. That's really interesting. Yeah. So, I mean, I think, yeah, we're excited to be partnering with this new technology and and there's another company that we've talked to that are working on more of like a single use non-hormonal contraceptive for women. You know, I think there's a couple things in the in the pipeline, but I think mostly what we saw with the business of being born was that like, you know, hospitals had no real incentive to change how they handle birth. You know, if they're making money, why are they going to change how they're doing things? Until, <laughs> right, parents started watching the movie. Mm-hmm, and asking and asking for options. And then, you know, things change. Mm-hmm. So I think it's it's a similar thing here. Like, we don't expect anything to change from within the system. The medical industrial complex, as it were. You know, I mean, we think that there's always going to be this sort of patriarchal and misogynistic Mm -hmm. overtone to medicine, even with women doctors, because that is the legacy and that is the background of it. You know, we're long gone. Maybe things will change. I think so. But, you know, I don't know. Or it will be reborn, reinvented, Mm -hmm. like an entire new kind of, you know, women's health paradigm. Yeah. I I have a family member in the hospital right now and I had this just thought as I was like walking through the halls. I'm like, whoa, I don't know if this has changed at all <laughs> in however many years. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, I, yeah. I and I don't know anything about working in a hospital, being in a hospital, but it's it's very interesting to think of the worlds that we get to dip in, you know, our privilege of of understanding wellness on many different layers and levels. Yeah. And then walking into a hospital and being like, wait. Wait, wait, wait. Like, I know. They're missing that, like, 
the artificial lighting is probably, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I'm looking at those things where yeah. I'm like, oh, God. I know. <laughs> How can you get well here? How? Yeah. Oh, they're not How? healing. Maybe they're not healing. Oh, I mean, sick. You know? Yeah. Yes. It's non healing. Yeah. You'll you're gonna freak out when you see I'm gonna the business freak. of being born I'm because freak. it's it's way more radical than the business of birth control. Actually, it's way it's really I'm way more radical. radical. I get to see the births of our kids. Yes. Wow. <laughs> Fourteen years ago. Yeah. My son, wow. my sons are twenty five and almost twenty one. Wow. So we've and been working my, together a long time. Yeah. My fifteen year old is born in the movie. Mm. That is that's special. Did that's vulnerable. <laughs> I know. <laughs> are you la- last two questions? Are you having these conversations with your kids? Yeah. Yeah. What does that look like? Well, we have sons, mm-hmm. so it it is different. It mm-hmm. is. Um, I am. I mean, I I I think my kids are so not wanting children. Like, <laughs> I would be very shocked if they end up having children. They're so young, but yeah. yeah. I just, I just really? think they have no interest. But yes, yeah, I do. And I have meet two stepdaughters someone, now. And I, oh, I, nice. you know, it's, a, it's, a, it's such a scary time. I mean, I mean, it's, it's like we put our work out, but then now with this abortion piece and just, and now gay marriage and now all, I mean, it's just mm-hmm. like yeah. at the same time that I feel like these, our young people are so open-minded and so fluid and mm-hmm. so accepting. And yet I, I, I don't know. So I do have conversations with them. Do you talk to well, we made them one. see the movie. Yeah. They came to the New York premiere. Wow. Yeah, questions, huh? Mateo. I feel um, like my kids are grown and they they're they're they're, they're pretty aware. Yeah. I don't think it's for me. Yes. You know? I know the information is everywhere. I mean, not on this particular yeah. thing, but I'm just saying information in general yes. to them. It's yeah. like boop, boop, boop. And it's also different. Like my 15-year-old texted me today and was like, Oh, can I leave school to go to this pro-choice rally? In Union Square. You're like, yes. But <laughs> of course I did. But a week ago, he said to me, Mom, what is Roe v. Wade? My phone is blowing up. Because this is something that how would you think a 15-year-old boy in 2022 would have to think about Roe v. Wade? Wow. Like this legislation from the 70s, right? Because that's the shit that we're in in this country. Mm-hmm. But I was like, oh. And then he was like, my phone's blowing up. So I had to explain the whole precedent of abortion and whatever. And he was really like, he didn't understand any of it, you know, because it's just been a given in yes. his lifetime. Mm-hmm. Why would you ever think that sure. a constitutional right for 50 years would suddenly be removed? So I, it's, you know, I think that these conversations were having them probably more yes. because of what's going on. Yeah, and, I th- and I'm even learning more Yeah, about Roe v. Wade and just what this mm-hmm. means nationally, state by state. Like I, it's forcing me to also do a little bit more of my due diligence because it's so easy to get information from your phone real quick and to be like, oh, that's the truth. Okay. You know, and kind of form your opinion around that. But just being a little bit more critical around these particular headlines has been so helpful. How can people watch the film? And what are you, what are you hoping just to reiterate the mission of this film? The film is only available on our website right now, businessofbirthcontrol.com. We are doing some foreign sales, so it will be more, I think, much more mainstream uh, in in other countries, which kind of is pretty telling. Yeah, right Um, now it's mm -hmm. only, you can only stream it in the U.S. and Canada because we just released. So U.S. and Canadian audiences, exactly, can go to thebusinessofbirthcontrol.com and then international audiences, we have like a wait list right now. Mm -hmm. Um, Where are you being blocked 
everywhere. Funding? I mean, we could not. I or mean, like everywhere. Yeah, everywhere. I mean, we've, we've just been, the, I mean, the funding is always the hardest part. But we, I mean. Well, we also are making a choice right now. Like we can have, we could have the movie up on Amazon, Apple, Google. We could have it up on all of those okay. platforms. We are just choosing not to at the moment. Mm-hmm. Part of that, to be quite honest with you, is, you know, we would really like to move to a model where the movie is free. Yes. And that's what we're trying to do right now. We were able to have like free screenings in February before the film released. And it was incredible. I mean, we had we had 20,000 people With attend. No wow. In 48 hours. No way. We had 10,000 people sign up on the Sunday alone, like the day it was closing. Wow. Yeah. So I feel like, you know, we've had, we have some big, fans now on our side, like Jamila Jamil. And, you know, Mm -hmm. so we do feel like we, that's one of the reasons that we haven't sort of proliferated it on those Amazon like platforms. Cause once your film is out there, they can kind of price it how they want. They just do whatever they want. So we just felt like, you know what, it was just released a couple of weeks ago. We're just going to leave it to stream on our website and like, we're just figuring out our, our plan, but that's what we will have another like big free streaming event. Probably in June, we're going to do another big like free streaming weekend, but that's what we'd love to do. We would love like to just have the film be available for free. And then, you know, the people who want to come join the masterclass community, you know, they can come and what we have this nine part masterclass ready to launch in June. Incredible. Yeah. Okay, great. Great. Yeah, I I respect you for not putting it up on all the major <laughs> streaming platforms. I think that's incredibly smart and just uh, brave because that would be an easy thing to do. I also, like, so I watched it last night. I went to the website, did all the things. Very easy. And I don't know, it felt... It felt a bit more um, special to be streaming just from your website, just to kind of say that, because I know, you know, kind of what you need to give up in order to be more mainstream. And so I actually found that experience to be a little bit more special. So I'm really excited for people to go to the business of dot com of birth yeah, control the full yeah because you can also go to the business of dot life that's, that's probably where you went yeah. yeah i mean the breath of work is phenomenal yeah. i'm excited to dig in even more and um have a conversation with our community about it ongoing conversation and i'm just so thankful thank you for making time and uh, oh thank, thank you. you it's yeah. really a pleasure yeah. like i just you give me hope talking to you it's true it's it's it makes us it makes me feel like we're doing the right thing because like, mm-hmm. we really, it's like we were talking about the business of being born. You know, you ha- are just starting your family planning soon mm-hmm. and it's the movie I wish I had access yes. to when I was first family planning. So it's just, it's such a gift for me to just pay it forward. Yes. You know? I said to my fiance this morning, he was like rushing out the door and I was like, I just want to say, I'm so <laughs> thankful that I'm going to, like, I have this information now. He's, I'm watching like the rest of the documentary this morning. And I was like, I just want to say this because if we have a daughter and then I can have this conversation with her and then we can have a conversation. And he's like, what are you watching again? And I was like, I was like, I'll tell you later. Go, go, go. But I was like so energized. I was like, wow, I'm so grateful. Like, we want to do a fraternity tour with the movie. We're working. Okay, with these we're talking partners. after. I mean, say no more. 
I literally had that thought. That is genius right? and gives me goosebumps. Yes, because we the woman who's hosting the screening in Austin, the premiere, she said she showed it to her two teenage sons. Mm. And her 19-year-old son was like, he knew his girlfriend was on birth control and he recognized some of the symptoms she was having. Wow. And she said he was riveted by the movie. Unreal. Okay, we'll talk about that. That's Never incredible. Too young. Thank you both. I appreciate thank you. you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This was really. Thank you so much, Ricky and Abby, for joining me in New York. Make sure to watch The Business of Birth Control at thebusinessof.life. You can also check out uh, their masterclass and community there. Thank you so much for being a part of our lives and community. Me and Lindsay are so grateful for you. We are so lucky that we get to interact with people like you on a daily basis. It means so, so much. You can follow me on Instagram. I'm at It's Krista. And I'm at Lindsay Simsic. And make sure to check us out on TikTok. We yes. have some of our favorite, favorite, favorite clips from the podcast from funny to deep to everywhere in between. So follow us on TikTok. Thank you for listening. And we will see you soon. See you soon. Bye. Bye.